With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Tell you what, that Tiger Woods is a dog's bollocks, isn't he? <laughs> Mixed race, you see. Part Afro-American, part white man, part Dutch and part Vietnamese. And then four different races have combined to produce the perfect golfer. And still so young. The Afro-American, right, that's his natural grace for his driving, right? The Vietnamese, for when he's in the rough, you got me? <laughs> All the jungles and that, they have a network of tunnels. The Dutch in him makes him laid back for his temperament. And the white man means he can get on the course in the first place. <laughs> For one night only, Simon Day and Friends, the brilliant character comic from the Fast Show, Brian Pern, and currently down the line on Radio 4. Saturday, June the 13th. Tickets only £5 and watch from the comfort of your living room. For tickets, go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends now. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Uh, Josh Landy is with us. Hello, Josh. With me, with us. Uh, Boyd, being his... Hi, how's it going? It's going well. What are, what are we here? Nine days away from the I know. returning. Incredible. Very exciting times. We deliberately didn't do a podcast last week so that um, we'd contain, would contain the excitement level to this week, where we're now only not a week and a few days away from the resumption of the football season with Man City versus Arsenal. And to commemorate this glorious moment, this this um, this being nine days away from actual football, proper football, which counts, we have actual football journalist Charles Watts with us. Hi, Charles. <laughs> good evening. How are you? I'm um, good, thanks. Um, you are the Arsenal correspondent for Goal. Um, you have 102,000 followers on Twitter. And... Um, I mean, what a job. It's your job to 
follow every single detail of Arsenal life on a permanent basis, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you make it. You make it sound so wonderful there. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to be I mean, fair, Josh, it is. It's, I'm, uh, it's the it's the dream job for a lot of people. Let's face it. It's a dream, it's a dream job for me. I've been a an Arsenal fan since I was a. Well, wee little man, and uh, so yeah, it was my first, it was basically all my always my dream. Once I realised I wasn't quite good enough to play for Arsenal, I thought second best thing to get paid uh, watching them, and and yeah, here I am. It's taken a long old grind to get there. Lots of parish council meetings, the junior news reporter about twenty odd years ago, thinking what on earth am I doing? Uh, but yeah, it all paid off in the end, and uh, yeah, living living the dream, loving it. I mean, talk about living the dream. We were just discussing before we started. You might be one of, what, 20-odd journalists that are going to be in the stadium. Like As Arsenal fans in the stadium go, it's going to be something incredibly special should you be allowed, as I think you believe you will, for these Arsenal home games. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to tone down my celebrations when a goal goes in because uh, normally you, can't, you wouldn't be able to hear me, but I think you, you might be able to in these... Uh, in these strange modern times. Um, yeah, I think there's gonna, it's going to be about 20, I think it's 25 media allowed under the new regulations. So 20, the 25 written media that is, but four of those are taken up by the sort of home, uh, by the club media team. So I think about 21 we're expecting are allowed in. And it seems like Touchwood, fingers crossed for home, for the Arsenal games, the sort of core Arsenal pack who, you know, go home and away in Europe and all the press conferences should be all right. Um, for getting in, I think it'll be a different story away from home because I imagine every club will kind of have a similar way of doing things. So um, certainly for like Man City, I'm not expecting to get to get in for the Man City game up in, at the Etihad. I imagine it'll be full of the sort of local Manchester pack. But yeah, down south it should be it should be much better. And uh, kind of counting down the days now till um, till no- I think it's Norwich, isn't it? But it's going to be a very very different experience. It kind of heard whispers of what it's going to be like in a. Yeah, the days of being wined and dined in the Emirates press room before games are long gone for uh, for the time being. It's going to be a case of sort of mar- set, we we park under the ground, march down the tunnel into the press box, stay there for, get, for the entire game, watch the game. There's probably a Zoom press conference and Mikel is still in the seats in the press box and then uh, back down the tunnel into the cars and, and home. So no no sort of areas are open at all. It can be very, very different to what we used to. Yeah, it's going to be a complete. I, I, I didn't until you start. We were talking before we came on air, so to speak, about you know not going to the away game at all. But of course, yeah, because a you know not supposed to. Well, you, you could you can use transport um, for, for your job, but to go all the way to Manchester would be ridiculous. And of course, no hotels are, are open or working mm-hmm. or. So it's just impossible, isn't it, to cover to cover those games, to cover the it's, away games? And of course, yeah. our first three games back are all away games, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, a couple of them should. I think Brighton might be all right just because it's not so far but Man City given it's an evening game as well like I said normally we'd stay you'd sort of stay in a hotel you would leave the stadium till about just before midnight you'd have all your you know the interviews you've got you play it with the players and the, um and Mikel as well and you'd be writing up in your hotel room to sort of two three in the morning and then come home in after that so it's not yeah it's going to be different I don't think anyone's going to be sort of too disappointed and also the, there's no mix zone or anything like that that is so you, we're not going to have the opportunity to speak to the players yeah. after the game which obviously when you do that you, you kind of divvy it up and you you put that content out the same during the week you agree when it's going to go out maybe a couple of days later and things so it's really worthwhile making the trip because you get content for the next few days but that's not going to be the case anymore so it, it's very much going to be a case of reporting on the match 
possibly having the press conference with a manager afterwards via video. But other than that, you can pretty much do everything that you could, you know, from home that you'll do at the stadium now. So it's not so much of an issue if you miss the games. But I think having been cooped up for three months in our houses, I think we're all desperate to get back to the stadiums anyway. Do you feel, Charles, you've had to work harder than ever in a way the last couple of months because it has been more difficult to get stories. I guess it's a time for leaning on contacts and speaking to people, you know, close to the club. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a grind. I've got to admit, for the last the last few months, I'm, I'm, it's finished. I mean, it's coming back just at the right time. I mean, I, although you say sort of lean on contacts, and there's not actually been that much Arsenal news around. You know, a lot of the news is lots sort of the wider football scheme and things, you know, how the project restart was going to be and, and all that. But as a sort of the Arsenal Arsenal report, it's not, there's not been an avalanche of stories to sort of keep you going. You've had the, you know, we had the bits with the wage, when the wage um, cuts was trying to be agreed. You know, that was a, a good time for genuine news stories around the club. But it's been fairly quiet other than that. I've a few transfer lines that, uh, that I've put out, but it's just been a time for trying to get, you know, interviews of former players and um, current players. I've been speaking to a lot of Lalonies, like Dan Iliev, the goalkeeper who's been out on loan, and um, and things like that. And a lot of former players. I've got Sagna, Sagna, which was a really good interview. I did Jeremy Aliadier as well. As it's been, it's been those sort of those sort of interviews, and I've just exhausted all avenues now. Really, it's been. It's like, I'm not sure. I've got. There's a former player left for me to speak to. Speak to so. <laughs> we've, we've had that on the podcast as well. I think we've run out of in-depth uh, celebrity Arsenal fans that we can call upon at a few days' notice to get on there. Frankly, but um, uh, do you think? Are you are you surprised, Charles, by how talk about um, Project Restart? How you know, like a month ago, if I feel, in fact, I was looking back actually at. Even like three or four weeks ago, at the quite a lot of negativity among football fans, among you know Arsenal fans on my Twitter feed, for example, about the whole idea of even restarting football, people were quite. Some people were quite angry about it, you know, kind of like morally. They were like, "Well, as, as people are still dying, you know, why are we talking about getting football back?" But now I feel like everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we we, we have to have it back. This is great. This is you know." Abs- are you almost almost surprised? Actually, it's worked out as well as it has, and we're about to restart the season again. I think it has just because of the, you know it's been delayed. I think when it was first, you know, the dates they were originally pushing out for the restart were just just sounded ridiculous at the time, and you, you kind of knew it was going to get they were going to keep getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. But I think we're at a stage now because I, I was I was vehemently against it. Though I thought it just felt really morally wrong right. to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they were they were even talking about it. It just with the amount of people who are dying, I mean, they still are. It's still a horrible number. It's still far too much. But I think the fact that the whole nation is kind of going back to work now, um, you kind of feel like it is. You know, if everyone else is going back to work, then then footballers really can be going back to work as well. And it's been done. You know, in, it's in, they've shown that it's quite a safe environment now. I mean, the numbers you're not getting lots of players testing positive or club staff testing positive. I think there's only been one positive test from the last three rounds of Premier League. Um, which for them is, you know, it's kind of it's perfect because if they were getting big numbers picking up, I think it was going to be much harder to to restart things. So, I think it just feels like it's the right time given the way the whole nation's going. And if it, you know, if, if most people going back to offices and, and things like that, or being, you know, the the possibility is there to go back to an office if you want to, then I think it's about it's about time that footballers can go back. And it is certainly it looks like it's a pretty safe environment, but, um, and the numbers are falling, which is the positive thing. I think if the numbers weren't falling and we were still seeing real horrible numbers, we were seeing 
a month ago or six weeks ago when initially the date for football's return was around then. It just felt totally wrong to me. Yeah. But I think we're yeah. we're in a we seem to be in a better place overall to to at least start um yeah, discussing it. And and it is although I have always hated the idea of oh, it'll boost the morale of the nation because, you know, footballers aren't guinea pigs. They're the nation as well. And they're not, yeah. although they're entertainers and they're paid to entertain, they're not there to put their lives at risk for it, which it kind of felt like they were being pressured into doing not so long ago. But, um, but yeah, like I said, now that numbers are coming down and it looks like we're touch wood on, on the right track, that it just feels like a better time to do it. Charles, you, you talk about going back to work there, which Arsenal effectively did on Saturday, it feels like, when we had this game against Charlton. When did you know that this game was taking place? And were the club helpful in providing any more information than what seemed like quite a limited match report? No, it came out. It basically, it, first time we'd really heard about it was when one of the Charlton players mentioned it on social media and it went and it went everywhere, really. I, we, we knew they were planning things and they were talking to a few clubs. They were talking to West Ham. Um, Brentford as well but um, I hadn't heard Charlton until the night before and um, the club did you know we, we, we asked them after that once it started coming out and they did tell us it was happening but they kind of told us as well can you just hold off from really making a big deal of it because we don't want people turning up at the moment because it'd just be a really bad look um, if there were people trying to peer in through the um, any sort of cracks there are at the Emirates to try and see I mean there aren't really but um, it still wouldn't have looked great if people were sort of standing at the entrance to the you know, where the players drive down and, and things. So, um, and yeah, they told us that details would come out afterwards. They'd send stuff over. So, um, so yeah, they were, they were just very keen to avoid any sort of groups of fans congregating and, and, you know, they didn't, which is a good thing, but that was the first day. They're after a, definitely one more, possibly two. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one on Saturday. Um, but again, they're being very standoffish when it comes to actually saying when or where it'll be. I, you know, I think, the, the aim is to get one in again Saturday, and they might they might squeeze one in possibly tomorrow behind. But I imagine if they did that, it'd be at the training ground. It wouldn't be quite as serious a, as a run out as the ones at the weekend. And the, the that game, the game against Charlton, the six nil six nil triumph. Um, uh, Arsenal are back. It's all going to be fine. Um, <laughs> it was interesting, though, wasn't it? Because the first, so the team you picked in the first half which was um, Leno, Bellerin, Louise, Mustafi, Tierney, Gwenduzi, Ainsley, Maitland-Niles in midfield, mm-hmm. as I understand, Nelson, uh, Ozil, Orba and Laka. Like that first half team, you could say, feels almost like the first team that he might pick, maybe, doesn't it? And, and then in the second half, you've got Martinez, Socrates, Holding, Mari, Kolasinac, Sabayos, Shaka. Pepe, Willock, Martinelli, and Ketia. Do you know what I mean? I feel like the first half team does feel like more like the 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 A team, doesn't it? Or, may, or am I being too simplistic? What, what did you feel about the the way he the way he did it? No, I think it's certainly more like the A team. I, don't, I think it's still a little bit of a mix and match. I'm not expecting Maitland Ainsley, Maitland Niles to to start in the centre midfield no. against City. You know, Jack will come back into that. Jack is very right. key to Arteta, so he'll he'll play. And um, I, I still I still kind of feel like. That that midfielder played in the first half won't play. I don't think Guendouzi will start. Or he might do just because it's Man City away. But in his in his mind going forward, I'm still not sure he'll see Xhaka and Guendouzi as a as a pair. You know, he, he settled before the break on Sabias and Xhaka, and it was working pretty well. You know, Sabias mm. was playing well. Um, I think he might have to make changes just on Wednesday night or on the following Wednesday night just because of who they're playing and don't want to be too ridiculously open. But 
I thought it was interesting that Nelson got the nod again on on the right um, with the you know, the sort of front three that you'd imagine of Lacaroba and Urzel and Pepe didn't because um, I mean he, he really likes Nelson Mikel he really does rate him and likes him and um, I thought that was quite interesting say? Pepe he likes did you say no Nelson oh Nelson I'm Mikhail, sorry. sorry yeah yeah. Really, really rates rates Nelson, and I think he's you know, a really special player. And um, he's known him since he was a kid. He, he played, he sort of coached him a little bit when you know Nelson was about sort of fourteen, fifteen, coming through. And Arteta was still at the club as a player, and uh, had he was having his injury problems and was doing a lot of coaching at that point with the with the um, younger teams. And you know, it, when you speak to him about Nelson, I'm not sure there's any other player in the squad when his eyes light up as much as about Reese. You know, he, he says stuff like, you know, Reese can be as good as he wants to be. He's got everything. And um, when he first came to the club, you know, he, he put Reese pretty much straight in, didn't he? And he was starting ahead of, ahead of Pepe. Um, and then I think, did he get injured, Reese? I feel like he did get injured towards the end before the shutdown. And, um, but yeah, I think that's quite interesting. I, I thought that um, he got the nod ahead of Pepe. I still don't think Mikel's totally convinced by. I think he still thinks there's a lot of work to do with Pepe, um, and it'll be interesting to see if he goes with that up, up, up top. I think the defence that played the first half—that's what you're probably looking at, isn't it? At Man City, I think that's what you'll see as the yeah. um, as his you know first choice back four. Now that Tierney's back available. Um, it's just the interesting one, Saka, isn't it? I mean, Saka was so it was so important before the shutdown. He was scoring goals, he was getting goals up, but he was playing in not his natural position, and it's kind of interesting how he's going to deal with that because, especially, you have got the contract situation going with Saka, and you don't suddenly want to take him out of the team now while you're trying to convince him to stay. Yeah. Um, but. And he didn't play in the first or second half. He came on. No, he, he, he got some. Yeah, he got a run out in the second half. So I don't know if he's carrying a bit of an injury problem or something like that. But he did. He, he got a run out. And he was also doing some fitness work alongside of the pitch as well during the game. Um, so I imagine there's some sort of fitness issue there that he wasn't quite up to the level that everyone else was. But um, you know, if you play, it's well, like where do you play Saka? Do you if you play him at left back? He's not nat- He's not a natural left back, although he's done it well. And that means you're you're not giving Tierney enough game time. But you play him on the left side of the attack, then suddenly you've got to either leave out a Bamiang or, or Lacazette. And does he really want to do that at the moment? So it's, it's a tough one with, with Saka, I think. And it's one of the big sort of decisions he's got to make in these next 10 games. Given, like I said, that you've got the contract situation, which is a bit of a um, sort of throwing an extra spanner in the works as well. What is happening uh, with the contract situation? Sorry, Josh. Yeah. Uh, not much. Oh, well, that's a good point. Not, not much. Not, okay. not, not much as far as I'm aware. I mean, I, you know, I'm not right slap back in the middle and in the negotiations but um as far as i'm aware there's still not you know nothing's being agreed or the signs i'm getting is anything's close to um being agreed yet so um it's a it's a difficult one i think he's got an awful lot of clubs chasing him and um you know making a lot of promises to him about how much he's going to play um german clubs are really really sort of widening and dining him almost um, trying to convince him to get over there and um and his agent so it's not it's not a foregone conclusion i hope he stays it'll be horrible to lose him Mm. to see a kid of that talent come through at that age and he's been fast-tracked the whole way through hayland you know he's always been identified as a real special talent but everybody speaks to the coaches staff um 
you know, teammates who are older than him who were coming through the academy a few years ahead of him, everyone knew he was he was destined for big things. And to see him finally sort of flourish the way he has, to then lose him, oh, it'd just be a, oh. it'd be an absolute sickener, wouldn't it? It really, really yeah, would. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. I mean, he's probably, is he the biggest talent to come out of the academy since Wilshire? Is that over-exaggerating it? I'd say so. I mean, I think coming through it, where everyone was coming through the academy, everyone would have said Reese Nelson was the biggest talent that was coming through at Hayland. But Reese has kind of plateaued, doesn't he? He's not quite kicked on from when he made his breakthrough. I mean, I was over in Australia for the tour, what was that, three years ago now, when Nelson was just it was first time I've seen him in, in the flesh and he was just sensational in those two in the two friendlies that played against Sydney when Lacazette made his debut. Um he was just so good and you saw him this kid is he's so special and it's not quite worked out since then has it he's kind of like I said plateaued he hasn't really kicked on to what we were expecting. Um I still think he's a very good player and he could go on to do big things. I think he's got a coach who'll possibly get those things out of him. But yeah the way Saka's just adapted so young as well and he's just slotted in and he just looks like he's been around for ages doesn't he he really does and he's been doing it out of position mainly as well and still contributing so much in the second third and you kind of look at Trent Alexander-Arnold obviously opposite flank but he started off playing higher up and um, has dropped back to, to fullback and he, but he's still delivering in the final third and it's like the whole modern fullback type thing and it's, it's it's difficult. I bet you a lot, an awful lot of coaches will be looking at Saka and thinking that like, you, you're going to be a better left back than you are a left winger. And um, but it's convincing him that because everyone wants to play further forward, don't you? But um, I heard a story from uh, from someone that before Saka signed his first pro contract at Arsenal, one of the really big English clubs were trying to get him to leave and go to them, but that coach wanted him um, to play left back, so he marked him as a left back rather than a left winger and Saka obviously wasn't wasn't up for that and he signed his pro contract to Arsenal and now he's doing he's doing well but um you as do wonder as a left back yeah you do yeah. wonder if um long term he might have to bite the bullet and accept that a lot of people view him as a as a as a left back rather than a left winger. Yeah, just yeah. finally just the feeling like of seeing all these players on Saturday was that the only one missing is sort of Callum Chambers, really, in terms of long-term prospects and not coming back. I think holding, you know, it's great to see. Tyranny, it's great to see. Is Callum Chambers now the only one who, who won't be around for this rest of the season? You'd say so. Torreira, obviously, is still a little bit off. He's been yeah. working working on his own, but he's you'd expect him to feature at some point before the season's out. And obviously, before the shutdown, he was going to be out for the season. So that's a bonus. Yeah, Chambers, unless anyone picks up an injury you know, between now and... And the end of the season, I think Chambers will be the only one we won't see until 2020, 21, um, which is a boost because, uh, you know, I still think Torreira has got, uh, I, I still really like Lucas Torreira and uh, mm. it would have been a shame to see him ruled out for the season. So it's a bit of a bonus that we're hopefully going to see him at least, you know, probably a handful of games between now and now in August. Uh, and what's the deal with Cedric? He had a, he, he, did you see he was wearing a face mask in training? Not the usual COVID face mask, but a, uh, it was sort of covering his eyes and nose. He, he he got a knock in training, hurt his nose, and um, so he's fine. He's not. That was the only reason I think he didn't feature. He's obviously got a bit of a, a tender, <laughs> tender nose or something. But um, yeah, there's no there's no major issue apparently, as far as what, what we were told, because we we asked a question, what's going on with him, and it was just a uh, yeah, hurt his nose in training. That's why he had the the protective mask on at Colney, and presumably why he didn't. 
uh, he didn't sort of get any, any minutes in on Saturday. And talking of um, current um, contract negotiations, what's your, what's the feeling about Aubameyang at the moment? Are they? Do, do you feel there's any developments there? Is it still just completely up in the air? I think it's still I, I, there was. A, yeah, yeah. Go on. I just think it's up in the air. Yeah, I think it's um it's a really tough one again with Orba because this Arsenal are in a terrible position now. I mean, they're in a terrible position anyway with the whole thing. But the fact that now the season's been delayed, and you know when it does finally finish he's going to be well into the final year of his contract. Whereas before you sort of finish in May and then you, you kind of make the decision if you hadn't already, what you're going to do. But now you're going to be, or even again, about sort of 10 months later, his value is going to be pretty much non-existent, especially given the fact no one's got any money. <laughs> so, whereas yeah. Arsenal probably, you know, like January last year when there was, there was interest in Orba in January, Chelsea was certainly interested and Barcelona was sniffing around, but, Arsenal were asking for at least sort of 50 million to even consider it. Um, at that point, they would have probably viewed the summer and thought, well, at least we'll probably, even if he stays now, doesn't sign his deal, we can sell him in the summer and get, you know, 30 out of push 40, kind of like what they did with Sanchez. But um, but now, I mean, it's, it's anyone's guess what sort of money clubs are going to be offering because no one's got any. So his, his value is absolutely he would have plummeted. So even if they decide to cash in on him, they're not going to get anywhere near the sort of cash they're expecting, even for just a year, you know. Yeah. So um, if they're in a terrible position with Bamiang. They, re- they really are. And for him as well, he'll be he'll be looking at it and thinking, well, no one's offering man contracts anymore with big wages. So I, I, I doubt any club, unless, say, PSG are in for him, who kind of, you know, they're in, in their own little financial bubble, aren't they? So it doesn't really matter what's going on. But yeah. Um, unless they come into the mix for him, then he's not going to be getting, I don't think any club will offer him more money than what he's getting at Arsenal in terms of wages at the moment. So he's going to look at that and think, well, is there any point in me really leaving when I can wait a year, get a signing on for, you know, go on a free transfer, get a juicy signing on fee, and hopefully the financial climate is better where clubs are going to be able to offer a little bit more because they're going to know, know for certain in terms of what sort of revenue they're going to be bringing in. Because now no one's got a clue what revenue they're going to be coming in mm. next season because they don't know when fans are going to be in the stadiums. They don't know what how that's going to affect deals with commercial partners. Um, they don't know how it's going to affect the deals with broadcasters or anything. So there's so much uncertainty that no one can really offer anything. So um, they're in it, yeah. It's really, of all the things, because I think in a way, I think this pandemic is actually could in the long term help Arsenal in a way for, for certain reasons but I think certainly the yeah. worst the worst situation to come out of it for them is the Aubameyang one it's, it's put him in a real difficult difficult spot with him Just Charles talking about the, the financial impact I guess the Europa League qualification or just qualification for Europe in general is so incredibly important I mean we've seen Arsenal enforce or certainly agree with the players on this 12.5% pay cut subject to European qualification. I've seen different reports saying that, you know, Europa League football, you know, next year be worth potentially somewhere between 20 and 30 million. You might have a more precise figure on that. But if the, if the wage cut of 12 and a half percent was worth circa 30 million and Europa League football could be worth some kind of similar figure. I mean, there's real pressure on Arteta to find a way to take this club into Europe in the last nine games. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, is, it is essential. Obviously, it's nothing, nothing compared to the Champions League, but it's still a, a, a good revenue stream. I mean, they earned, I think they earned 34 million from getting to the final last year. Uh, the year before, I think it was 
just under that for getting to the semi-final. And um, I, mean, when, I mean, that pales in comparison when you look at what teams made just from getting to the last 16 of the Champions League. But, um, you know, it's still not money that can be sniffed at, especially when you're Arsenal at the moment and you're hemorrhaging money from from everywhere. And even before the pandemic, you know, they've just announced the loss, their first loss for 20-odd years. And that was you know, mainly down to the way to build and uh, admittedly a lack of player sales that 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 season but um they they need they need every single penny they can get so it's, it's essential they get european football one way or the other if it's champions league or europa league yeah they're just not in a position where they can say oh, i will do without europa league for one season because financially they're just they're in a real bad spot and and now in, a, in an even worse spot i mean the one thing is that it's kind of a level playing field now in terms of financial um Things because everyone's everyone's suffering no matter what level of football it is. It's just it's financial chaos out there. Whenever you speak to anyone about about it, or um, but yeah, it's it's essential. It's it's essential for everything, and not not just financially, just for the players as well. Even if it's Europa League, they still want to be playing in European football. And um, I think if if Arsenal was to miss out on that, what would be the first time since um, Rio's season in charge, wouldn't it? That um, that was the year that. We didn't qualify after losing to Zaragoza. They had that following season when they were out of Europe and then they got back in for Wenger's first year when um, Bergkamp scored against Bolton in the end of clock end uh, in the last minute. So it's, what, 20-odd yeah. years without European football? Yeah. More than that, more than 25 years. So, um, you know, just a club of Arsenal stature, it'd be, it'd be dreadful. And to be fair, I've actually quite enjoyed you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange, it's a love-hate relationship, I think. With it. I think mainly I hate the theme tune. It just dug my head in. Every yeah. time I hear it, I just think, oh, please let this be the last time I have to listen to this. But it's also been a great competition to cover as a journalist. I've been to some fantastic places, much better than the Champions League. Um, and, yeah, and it's been great to cover. And you know, last the semi-final last year against Valencia away at the Mestalla was was hands down one of my favourite ever matches of football I've, I've been to. And just the whole experience was fantastic. So, yeah, you forget I'd... about that game. That game was incredible, wasn't it? Like oh. the, 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 the Lacazette or Bamiang match-up and everything. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's brilliant. Yeah. Just, a, just a spectacle of it. The Mestalla, I think, is yeah. my, fav- my favourite stadium other than Highbury. And, and the atmosphere is great. And yeah, to Arsenal went and put on a real show. And it was it was great. And, yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't tell, I would certainly wouldn't turn my nose up at that again. No. Um, we'll talk more about um, Arsenal's uh, immediate and long-term future. And we'll ask questions like, will Arsenal have virtual fans? Um, are they going to pipe in you know, kind of weird noises of fans supplied by FIFA. I saw that story today. Anyway, we've got lots more to talk about after this quick break. Uh, We'll be back after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. 
glad we're back from the break um, with me, uh, Boyd Hill. I never, I never introduced myself in, the, in at the second half of the break. Josh Landy, but I thought I'd do it this time. And Charles Watts, Arsenal correspondent of Goal. Yes, Josh, you've got your finger. I can see you've got your finger up on the on the camera. What would you like to ask? I just, I was thinking of you earlier today. I was speaking with a friend who lives in Australia, where normality is certainly resuming quicker than it is here, and they're going to have sport again. And he was telling me that at some of the um, Aussie Aussie rules games, they are going to have certain areas of the hospitality areas open because you're going to be allowed gatherings of up to 50 people. So they're going to have certain sectors of the hospitality areas of Aussie rules stadiums able to kind of have fans together. So I was just thinking, can you imagine the, how that badly the PR on that would look if, if you and Dermot and a few <laughs> others in club level were allowed to sit in your seats and, and there was I no mean, one in, in the major part of the stadium? I wouldn't be surprised if they... I mean, they are prioritising club level, aren't they? I believe, um, in terms of, like, refunds for seasons. I know, like, there's, there's definitely a system for refunding our season ticket for the last four home games, which I don't, is, I think I'm right in saying isn't, hasn't been established for the rest of the fans. Is that right? You, you will know as a proper fan. No, but I, 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 my season ticket window for refund opened on June the 1st. It said you've got oh, until okay. June the 10th to oh, go fine, in and yeah. put your details. So right. I've done it and just waiting for it to come through, but I'm sure it yeah. will. Yeah, same. Okay, fine, fine. Um, but yeah, I could imagine, I was thinking that, I, 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 I've, I've thought of that quite a lot, that they would probably, if they were going to, have a way of only allowing a, a, a limited number of fans, at least to start with, then they, they would probably would ask like platinum level uh, people to Charles. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you have a, do you have much of a sense of about that? The more, the slightly longer term future, like is anyone talking about what is going to happen next season? You know, um, you know, I've, cause I've got, I've started to think, you know, we've seen in various contexts, like, masses of people gathering you know do you know what i mean whether it be whether it be you know beaches or i just feel like if arsenal tomorrow said sod it you know we'll allow twenty thousand fans in i think probably they'd get them do you know what i mean i think you'd get twenty thousand fans willing to take the risk of that the virus is out of the, well, the place the virus is at the moment and with the health secretary i watched the health secretary's press conference today and he was saying you know that the virus is is at the moment kind of petering out he had to i just feel actually it's, it, we might be closer to to reopening stadiums to to you know to thousands at least, if not sixty thousand. What, what do you think? Am I am I living in a dream world? I think you might be living in a dream world. Um, <laughs> I think certainly in terms of what clubs are looking at, but I suppose businesses and clubs are kind of looking at worst case scenario because if you if, you, if that's what you plan to, anything else, anything above that's a bonus. But um, they're certainly were operating on the towards the fact that there may not be fans in the stadium for a good chunk of next season. Um, really? Yeah, although I did see something, um, I can't remember what it was, that there might, there might be an idea of letting a certain amount of fans into the FA Cup final, um, which what would be, I yes. think, scheduled for like early August, isn't it? Um, yeah. But that'd be interesting, because that would be interesting. I do think, though, even if you've got socially distant, how do you get 20,000 fans into a stadium even I mean that is so difficult when you've got to have social distancing in place. I mean you've got to stand at the turnstiles two meters apart. You know how long yeah. do those queues stretch back? There's just so many. How you go to the toilet? It's so. It's, it's, yeah. it's it yeah. sounds simple to put twenty thousand people in a sixty thousand stadium, but when you add social distancing on top of that, it actually it, it'd be an almighty task. 
I think. Um, so it's, it, it's not an easy, it wouldn't be easy at all. And especially, I mean, it's slightly easier maybe than something like an Emirates, but you go to, you know, a Goodison Park or something where you're still back on top of each other. It, it's be, it would be, it would be tough. I don't think it's as easy as, as it sounds, but yeah, as far as I'm aware, I mean, clubs are very much work, operating to the worst case scenario at the moment. And you know, like I said, that's probably because anything else is the bonus, but um, they are, they are, certainly expecting that fans will not be in the stadium for a good chunk of next season. Right. And do you, have you heard what, have you heard any news about what they're going to do about piping in sound or having virtual fans or any of that? I haven't heard what the final decision is going to be. I mean, we spoke to them about it earlier in the week and, um, or last week and they, they admitted they were exploring multiple options. So something will be done, whether it's big screens, um, around with the sort of zoom calls with fans on zoom. I think that's probably quite, likely it seems to be it's gone down pretty well in Denmark um and fans and clubs have been very interested to sort of get the, the um views on the Danish teams have done it uh, how it how it's gone um there, there is a little bit of worry in terms of what can suddenly pop up on the screen if you're doing that and um <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> yeah so that that, that kind of needs to be taken into account then um but they, they will certainly do things. They're exploring multiple ways of doing it, and Arsenal are really sort of pushing it as well. And I know that for a fact. So I think once it does start, and I think Arsenal are in a bit of a good position when they've got an extra three weeks to plan for it as well, because their first four games are all away. Yes. So um, they can sort of see what works and what doesn't work, and really put put plans in place. But um, there will definitely be some sort of virtual experience going on at Arsenal when it does when it does start mm-hmm. again. Did you see Rory Smith wrote an article in the New York Times today about about the famous the mural when we had the North Bank mural, which I remember so clearly. Um, you know when they're doing building works and they put up this big mural. Josh, you probably you were too young, weren't you? To to you've heard about it. No, I, I, my first game at Highbury would have been just after it, but because I've okay. religiously watched end of season reviews even from before I went regularly, and it's just uh, iconic. Some of the photos of seeing you know this this yeah this mural i mean i can't remember seeing something like it any other club it was it was quite unique yeah yeah it was it was yeah i think the fact it was i mean that was um it all kicked off i remember being there i was in the junior gunner section we lost 4-2 to norwich first game of the season 2-0 up half yes both, i remember both, it so well yeah both goals yeah. at a clock end both Arsenal yeah. goals at a clock end, tuning up at half time and started attacking the mural and lost 4 2. <laughs> and it kind of sounded like, and, and yeah. the parachute, the guy who was parachuting in to start it all off, missed, missed the pitch and ended up behind the mural in the North Bank construction. <laughs> yeah, side. you're right. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah that it, is kind of, it kind of summed it all up, I think. I think. Yeah. And we did struggle for took, goals. And Rory Smith points out in the article that it took, I think, Kevin Campbell to point out that the in, whoever painted the mural, got it, they were not, they were all white faces in, in, the, in the crowd, and they there weren't any um, black faces, and you know it was that was an embarrassment. Yeah, as well. David, David and Dean thought, tells the story. I think that it was the day before the Norwich game that they were training on the pitch, and Kevin Campbell came up to him and said, "There's no, there's no black guys in that on that picture." And David yeah. Dean was like shocked. He was like, oh "My God!" And they apparently they spent the night before the Norwich game painting. The, paint and the modern to try and uh, to try and sort it out it was a yeah a massive massive oversight it took ages it was like a bit of a curse wasn't it i remember i think ian wright scored yeah. the first goal against man city a diving header there and it was, it, was a good, it was a good few games before we even scored in front of the mural absolutely yeah um you've got a story today though talking about you coming up with stories about mavropanos i see um mm-hmm. what this is big transfer news charles potential transfer news 
I yeah, I mean he's he's very much attracted interest in Germany. He's playing over there at the moment for Nuremberg in Bundesliga two, and they're struggling at Nuremberg. Um, but he's done very very well since he's been there. Um, really really sort of catching the eye, and uh, a lot of Bundesliga clubs are now sort of looking at him and have registered a firm interest in potentially getting one on a permanent deal in the summer. And it's going to be an interesting one for Arsenal, I think, because I actually like Mavropanos. I think there's a player there. I, I do, mm. and um, uh. It's going to be an interesting one for Arsenal because he's young, you know. He's got, I think, he's got quite a high ceiling with good coaching, and um, you kind of look at Socrates and Louise. Obviously, one year left. Well, Socrates one year left. Mustafi one year left. Louise a couple of months months left. Although I'm pretty sure they will get something done with Louise to get make him stick around. But um, you know, you've got a good young defender there. I think in Mavropanos, who's who's clearly impressive now. He's in because he's been hit by injuries. Horrible, horrible groin injury that he couldn't shake off it basically robbed him about a year and a half of his career now basically um and he's just got himself back fit and he's playing well and i think it's going to be an interesting one for arsenal if, if an offer does come in for him which i'm expecting it will in the summer more than one offer um what they're going to do with him it's like do you are they just going to have to take any bids they can now because mm. they don't know who's going to be offering for what players and they clearly want to bring in some funds because it will help help in terms of adding to the squad um, but is he really someone you want to you want to get rid of or does because Mikel Arteta wouldn't even have had a, a proper look at him yet would you want to let him hang around for the summer and, and work out what, what the plan is so it's going to be it's going to be a, a decision for Arsenal that one oh, yeah that would be interesting um, and there's the, the so among the other big news Josh I'm sure we want to talk about the the the, um, the new sh- leaks of new shirt designs we have to talk about these because it feels to me like Adidas are going quite bold I don't know what you think. Um, so you've got the the red one, which has got like a little bit of a bruised banana quality going on, hasn't it? In the in the in the kind of what's the word of it? In in the kind of design, you've got the colour red, but then there's like there's there's diagonal chevrons and stuff going on. Then now that one is that I don't think any of these have been confirmed, have they? And then there's the there's a way one, which is like a white with like a blood red marbling effect, which is quite a disturbing one. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I think these generally, when these pictures come out, I don't know what you think, Charles. They 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 seem to be true. Like you seem to always get a photo that emerges on Twitter of an Adidas store in somewhere like Cambodia that has got these on sale, and they tend to, you know, have the same pictures circulating in different places. And I think it's true. And look, obviously, the, these shirts would have been designed some time ago not expecting that Arsenal would have still been wearing, you know, the shirt come June and July when presumably on some marketing plan somewhere, they were hoping that, you know, they'd be selling the new shirts in June and July of 2020. I'm not sure I'm in, in total love with it. The one that was a bit funny was the white one, the, the white away one with it. It did look like blood, yeah. like someone had almost attacked you in that shirt. Have you seen it, Charles? I, I have seen it. I, I have to admit, I don't like it. The white one. I, when you say you think they've been designed a while ago, I was actually in the Adidas box at the Emirates last year before the season started when they were Ooh. giving us, they were giving us the um, uh, sort of lowdown on, on last season's kits. We were invited, a few of us were invited in there and we sort of spoke with the kit designer and, um, Adidas, uh, just a, a, it was a really, really nice morning in the Adidas box. And he said, and this was before the season, that he'd already, the day before, he'd sent over the final designs for this season's kit. So it's been well, they've been done well over a year now. Um, 
And uh, yeah, he said they were going to be a little bit different because last year they went with the, what you were kind of expecting, weren't you? you had the, they were always going to come out with a brief banana away. Yeah. Or, or a version of it and the, the sort of classic red kit. And I, I just don't, I don't mind the red kit. The red kit's weird. I, I think for some reason, when I look at it, I think of Maron Shamak. I, 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 I think it's the neck. <laughs> I think it's probably a good thing. What, just the, it's just that kit reminds me of the year, I don't know, 2011 or whenever it was, that Shamak sort of came and had that white looping <laughs> neckline. And it, I always, every, every time I see a picture of it, I just think of Shamak. Um, but yeah, it's I the Shamak neck. Is it known as the Shamak neck? That's the Shamak <laughs> the, the collar, the Shamak collar. But I don't, yeah, yeah I don't like the, the blood. I mean, that's all, the only way you can describe it is, is blood. It looks like in the front cover of the Dexter Um yeah, box sets. It really does. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of gory slasher thrillers, so I quite like it. It's like a kind of Brian De Palma. If you like Brian De Palma design, you know, or Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> design, Arsenal show, come up with that one. But I like I like the red one. I think the red one's really good. I think if you're gonna, you know, the the home one, which you're saying with apart from the Shemak neck issue, um, I think it's fine. And even yeah. the blue one, there's a blue. There's three on there. The dark blue. Looks pretty straightforward as well, but yeah. that white one, absolutely extraordinary. That, that's gonna yeah. the white, the old white one we had, you know, when um the San Siro, the one nil Fabregas, um, yeah. you know that I actually really liked that that white kit. I yeah. thought it was, it was really it was really tidy, but yeah, I'm not I'm not quite so sure on this. I, I wish it, the Emirates hadn't added the fly better as well. It's um it just makes a bit of a difference. I think for that, the sponsorship. I know the, having the double tier, the fly better. Especially when no one's flying anywhere at the moment, it just seems know, it's it's a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's the, the one. One of the things I'm really a bit picky about is looking at it. it's just that double tier. We've always had JVC or Emirates, just that one single yeah, line simple. of writing. But having the two lines, it's just yeah, it doesn't sit well. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you have not only two two lines of that. You've now obviously got your sleeve sponsor in Visit Rwanda. Yeah, Adidas. It's a, it's a busy old shirt these days compared to what they used to be. Certainly is. Modern football. Boy, though, uh, uh, boy, yeah. have you actually looked at the league? When did you last look at the Premier League table? Oh well, funnily enough, um, I mean, I look at it quite regularly um, to remind myself that we're only one point behind Spurs. Um, but I looked at it. Yeah, I looked at that a couple of days ago to remind myself of that because I think I was talking about Arsenal on something else on another podcast I was doing. So I wanted to be up, but but yeah, it is a reminder that we're only one point behind. Um, Spurs with our game in hand. So if, if we and um, in fact, if we beat City, which I know, like when we were about to play this game when it was called off at the last minute, you know, like seemed like a ridiculous thing to say. But but now with all the like, you know, I think with the evening up of home and away, you know, that's going to help, isn't it? That gives. I feel like we've got more of a chance. And also, I feel like this game is like a big test of Arteta and Pep and what what they've done with the team to keep them you know, as to keep them going during the lockdown period and all of that, almost like psychologically what they've done with the players. And I feel like that might have evened out a little bit. Charles, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I feel like somehow like actually addressing how you play in this situation, how you've kept the team going and, and training and all of that is, is adds a whole different level to, to just the fact that Man City are obviously a better team than ours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think I said it earlier on that I thought that, this whole pandemic has worked pretty well for Arsenal in some ways or will work pretty well in some ways. I think the fact that Arteta has basically had a pre-season that he wasn't expecting to have um, right. now is going to, you know, it's be a very good thing for him because from coming in December, it's just been game, game, game. You know, not, he's not had any time to really work with the players or really put his 
methods across because it's just been always focused on the next game the next game and he's used you know he's been before they started training you know when they're in the proper lockdown stage he was just or he was on the phone to him you know talking to him for hours it was he's not just getting to know them sort of professionally but personally as well which he really hasn't had time to do before that and now since they've come back to training he's had a real designated period of time to really work with them and put his ideas across put his methods across and you know so i think that's an unexpected bonus really i think you'll certainly stand arsenal in good stead for next season because um mm. you know they're going to get to the summer and already be well ahead of schedule in terms of what arteta wanted from his players and how he wanted them to understand him so i think i think that's going to work well i do <laughs> i do think Know that Manchester City is going to be a bridge too far for it, I think. And I agree the whole yeah. evening out of the home home and away thing is going to be good for Arsenal because they're not, I think, away from home. We all know how much they struggle and that this will help them. But I just think City are going to, I think City are almost more dangerous when they treat it as a training game but, or when it, when it feels a bit like a training game because they're just going to take the piss a little bit really and just do, oh, what, yeah. do what they do yeah, in I'm training. Sure right. I, I think that yeah. must be a pretty scary prospect facing Man City in training. Yeah, I take it back. You're right. We're going to lose like 5-0. Yeah. Um, Josh, what do you feel about the league table? What were you going to say about the league table? Well, just in terms of the league table, it's been so long since we played a game. I almost found myself forgetting quite the situation. But just you find yourself looking at it and going, if we can pick up the form that we were showing beforehand, then I think six is entirely there in European football just presents a problem to us because we just have no idea. Like you said, I'm convinced there'll be some teams who will have got, no, no one knows how you should be treating footballers when they have a three month break. It's never yeah. been done before. And they can't, have yeah, been that's exactly, what I meant. Yeah. They, they can't have been exactly the same process by everyone. So presumably some clubs have done this better than others in, in however it's going to play out. Um, and you just have to hope our medical staff might've had something that makes them you know a one or two percent advantage that will play out because don't forget what's been interesting obviously for germany is the the ball being in play even for a few more minutes you know because you don't have the for whatever reason yeah. that you know you're seeing it, it it's slightly a different game and we're going to see you know more substitutes being allowed it's not quite the same football that it was you know before the lockdown so um I'm just intrigued, but I don't know why I, I'm feeling slowly sort of confident that, you know, you look at our players, we've got obviously everyone back from injury. Callum Chambers wouldn't be playing anyway. Torreira had been in and out the team. I'm starting to feel a bit confident. I'm saying six, Boyd. What are you saying? I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like sixth, fifth is possible. Yeah. I mean, um, I just think, yeah, it's, it's. I just think there's an evening out. I think there's gonna. I think there's gonna be some kind of leveling out, evening out. Um, and I think the more the managers. What I was trying to say. Well, this is this. I've crystallised in my mind what I was trying to say in a slightly ineloquent way a few minutes ago about you know when I was dreaming about being actually being Man City. But what I feel is our managers like Arteta, who are all about communication and emotional and literal intelligence, which I think that we've seen. I, mean, I think you can you can nitpick about team selection and maybe even tactics or whatever, but what, is, what has been absolutely abundantly clear since he took over is his, his man management and intelligence and communication skills are fantastic. And I feel like that feels like it's more important in this situation, as you say. We've never had this situation before rather than the traditional manager, you know, kind of bollocks the team and, you know, th those kind of managers. I think this, he feels like the perfect manager in this situation. Do you know what I mean, Charles? And I feel yeah. like 
that's gonna that could make a big difference. Yeah, I do. I do think that. I think he is a perfect manager for this situation. Um, I think he's a perfect manager for Arsenal as well. I'm delighted that he's that they yeah. they they appointed him. And um, like I said, I think that it, the last couple of months would have really helped with that because he would have put his point across. And I think the players they were behind him anyway, but I think they're going to be even more behind him now because I think he would have struck up such a sort of emotional and um, sort of personal relationship with him that maybe wasn't there because he hadn't been able to spend the amount of time with him that he has now, even though it's been mainly over Skype or Zoom. That um, I think the team spirit's going to be there. From what I've heard at the training ground as well, they you know they're they're really you know buying into it. And I mean they've come back and there's a real sort of energy and they're stepping a bit, um, and they're re- they're ready to go. So um, I do think I, I, the one annoying thing is Spurs. You know I think they were in such a state before the break. Yeah. Um, you know injury wise as well, Kane was out, Son was out, and you know they're going to have pre they're going to have them all back. And I think that's one annoying thing in terms of Arsenal right, rising up the table is that. Spurs are going to be a hell of a lot stronger than they were because they were, you know, they were in real trouble, weren't they? Before they were you know, yeah, horrible, a horrible position, but um, they're going to be far stronger now. So I think that's one issue in terms of moving up. Um, but it's all to play for. Like I said, if they can get any sort of result, it'd be, it'd be such a boost if they could go to City and not lose. And even if you go go out there oh, and get a draw, yeah. it, it, just what that would what that would do for the final nine games to go there and, and get something to get yourself up and running because it's a horrible way to start isn't it, going up to Manchester City. And uh, yeah, any sort of result will boost them. Yeah. Although I feel just getting out of the way and, you know, having such an interesting game as the first game back, I feel like I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I am really excited. But yeah, as you say, anything, anything apart from a, anything above a three nil defeat would be. Yeah. Would you just be, don't want, you don't want great. a morale sapping defeat. Do you? No. You, don't want it. you don't want one of those no. ones where suddenly social media is going mad. Everyone's saying going mad and it'd just be, like, yeah, oh, here true. we are. We're, we're back up and we're, here we are again. But um, yeah, so that'd be a horrible yeah. way to start. Yeah. Um, we should how, how you go on boy, just before we go about the the TV phenomenon. This is going to be. I mean, you're a you're oh, a TV man. I mean, what are you making of this daily football we're nearly going to have? Let's just say I have um, put in a, a holiday request for um, the second, the first full week of uh, of matches, like the beginning, the beginning, the twentieth, twenty first, twenty second of June. Um, I, I, I plan to take off because yeah, there's like three or four fucking matches a day. It's it's going to be incredible. I'm I'm unbelievably excited about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I really am. Not just I mean mostly because of just seeing Arsenal back, but just in, and I know like Liverpool could basically be you know probably will be crowned champions you know within about three or four days of the season coming back. But the top four five situation, especially if Man City, you know, we've got we've got the the result of the of their um their uh, situation, haven't we? Um, happening, I think today is it? Is that what happened? Like, so all of that, I just think there's so many exciting things happening. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the week off and just watch football all day and all night. You realise we're, we're going to pretty much have football to watch now continuously for about a year and a half. I think because <laughs> you got the Euros obviously been pushed back, so like, next summer was going to yeah. be an empty summer. But now it is just finish this season, basically start next season straight away, go into the Euros, then the following season, then it's World Cup. It's, it's going to be yeah, it's isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, and no one's going to have any money apart from you know, as you say, like PSG, Chelsea, you know, City. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. But before we go, though, I was going to say, Josh, did you see Matt? Did you see Matt Lucas's? Um, he hosted the charity night, didn't he, for the Arsenal Foundation last week, which I watched quite a lot of and was brilliant. But the highlight was him doing his um, baked potatoes song with the classic uh, Arsenal defence. Did you see that bit? 
I did, and I, I texted Nigel Winterburn a few minutes after I saw it, and I said it looked slightly like they were in captivity, the, yeah. the way they were positioned around the screen. But I just said, you, you're such wonderful sports for doing that. That was the absolute highlight of this entire show. And he said, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we did it, because I think even like his friends and family thought it was just, just brilliant. Um, it was nice. Were they pretending it? I thought it was being presented online as if I was going to be watching a live show, but it very clearly wasn't a live production. No, I think yeah. I, th- I don't think I, I, th- I don't think they ever said explicitly it was going to be live. But yeah, I think they had to produce it first, didn't they, just to make sure it wasn't going to be a complete technical shambles. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Technically, enough. technically, getting yeah. that many different people on yeah. web and Zoom calls or whatever it was would have been an absolute nightmare. But it it was nice. There were so many sort of different faces. Derma, of course, was popped in on there. Yeah. 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 Hector Bellerin, did you all watch your favourite people? Sh- yeah, Charles, did you watch much of it, or did, or, was, or do you, were you um, having were you looking after your family? I, I watched, <laughs> I watched, watched bits and pieces because I was it was uh, I was with with the kids trying to get them to sleep, but I watched bits and yeah. pieces. And I said, I, I watched the uh, the back four singing about potato song as well, which yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. I have to admit. Yeah, it's been it's been one of the highlights of the of the lockdown uh, media situation. Yeah, any time, any time that you hear Hector Bellerin speaks, a, a highlight. Oh. Well, I think because the, the oh. guy is just such an absolute class act on all levels, whatever yeah. he talks about. And uh, yeah, is he doing lo- some podcast now, now as well? He, he doing, like, did something yeah. with Yedlin, didn't he? Um, about That's right. Yeah, the Black Black Lives Matter protests and the the movement, and he, he did something. Yeah. I haven't actually. I saw bits of it because they sent over some quotes and stuff uh, ahead of it going live and. He's just, he's just a fantastic. He's for me, he should be Arsenal captain. <laughs> I just think he's, oh, I just I agree, think he's yeah, wonderful. 100%. And if he, um, if he can get get himself back fit and you know get to the sort of level he was yeah. fitness wise, he's, he should hands down. Whatever happens with Orba, I think he should be the long term Arsenal captain for me. I agree. On that note of agreement, do you agree, Josh Bellerin, captain? Uh, oh, I see you doubting. I can see you. You're not quite sure. Okay, is that because he wasn't playing brilliantly when we when we? <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess he now is sort of definitely going to be in the starting eleven again. It, it feels like that. So, yeah, I, I, I think I probably would. I think he embodies, you know, things about class. I and mean, we always talk about doing things in the um, Arsenal way and being proud of the way our club operates. And I think we can be proud of of him, although possibly he hasn't quite hit the hit the heights that it looked like he would playing wise but look he's had some serious injuries but yeah i'll go with it i'll go with it captain yeah anyway um charles it's been brilliant thanks so much for coming on and uh giving us the benefit of your arsenal insights um uh and good luck covering the uh, return of the of the of the season really thank you very much and thank you for having me it's been a been a pleasure cheers charles. brilliant Cheers, Charles, and cheers, Josh. And we'll be back next week with our official pre-season, pre-match. Well, our predictions will be back. It's going to be very exciting. Cheers. See you next week. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 